Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. This is a sort of get well soon poem, I suppose, or a poem about finding hope, uh, called Between Walls by William Carlos Williams. The back wings of the hospital, where nothing will grow, lie cinders in which shine the broken pieces of a green bottle. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, you steamy little dumpling. My name's Owen, and you can follow us on Twitter at Cop On Podcast. You can send in your hate mail and unsolicited pictures of your wobbly bits to coponpodcast at gmail.com. Although having said that, just to be clear, I am definitely not soliciting them, believe me. In this episode, we're going to have a long look back at Liverpool's superb and resounding victory over Leeds United at Elland Road, which of course was overshadowed by the serious injury to Harvey Elliott. Get well soon. One thing we didn't talk about, though, which only came to my attention after recording, was that sections of the lead support were singing chants about Hillsborough. Let me just say that mocking dead people and survivors of a tragedy in which so many were unlawfully killed is absolutely sickening. And I hope that chants like this, which, you know, there are also some chants about Munich and other chants that are grossly offensive, I, offensive. I, I hope they are all forever abandoned because there's no need for that kind of bullshit. Liverpool, on the plus side, have 10 points from 12, or 36 points from the last 42, if you include the last 10 games of last season. Uh, we've conceded one goal in the last six. There, there, there are loads of positives. The Reds may have no money, but we're going to win the league. Enjoy, enjoy. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Cop on Podcast. I'm really happy that Doug and Alan are with us. That's Doug from the Dugout Football Channel. Do give him a follow. Subscribe on YouTube. It's great stuff. Um, and Alan's joining us as well from Ireland, which is absolutely superb to have him with us. But I'm really pissed off, guys. I'm absolutely furious because yet again, I mean, it's rare to, you know, to, to get season-ending injuries uh, this is the fourth, if you count Virgil's, Joel Matip's, Joe Gomez and now Harvey Elliott's. This is the fourth in a year or less than a year. And it's really pissing me off. Um, there is no way in all heck that it's not a red card um, because the laws of the game, I mean, I'll, I'll read them out to you in case there is any doubt. The laws of the game are 
um, uh, monitored or and written and agreed upon by the International Football Association Board or IFAB or IFAB, and they call themselves the guardians of the laws of the game on their website, which is very grandiose, but nonetheless true. They are the guardians of the laws of the game, and they clearly state in the laws of the game that you uh, a red card must be shown when there is a dangerous play, B, a reckless tackle, C, violent conduct, or D, serious foul play. And you could make an argument that Strike's sickening tackle was actually all four of those. But no one can suggest for a a moment, for even a moment, that you know, none of those options were correct. I mean, only Gary Neville or, you know, people like that or people who don't realise what the laws of the game are could even suggest that. Anyway, um, right, uh, Doug or, or Alan. Uh, Doug, I'll start with you. Um, uh, are you as pissed off as I am? Because I'm, I'm absolutely raging right now. Uh, I'm just... It's overshadowed what was a very comfortable win today. Um, I honestly have never seen Leeds be as open as they were today. I thought they were very open against Manchester United, but dearie me, the amount of times uh, Fabinho, Thiago, and even Elliot at times were passing through you know, their midfield really, really well. Um, but yeah, look, I'm I'm absolutely I'm absolutely disgusted. Um, I thought the challenge was a dreadful challenge. Um, yes, you know I know he, I know people have said he's won the ball, but you know it has to be a red card because of the severity of the injury. It reminds me of the challenge from uh, Son on uh, Andre Gomez. Uh, the um, I think a couple of seasons back as well. Same same sort of incident. He broke his leg. Um, and you know what? You know he was sent off um, as well. But ah, uh, just—it's just rotten luck for Harvey Elliott. But I can tell you something now: Harvey Elliott will come back stronger. He will come back fitter. He's got his whole career ahead of him. The start to the season that he's made has been absolutely magnificent, and it's just rotten luck what's actually actually happened uh, and actually after that challenge i'm actually going to say this now i actually thought leads were very physical i think there was times they were trying to actually attack uh, our players and try and get them try and get them injured i don't like saying that about obviously opposition players but i felt they were very physical today but um, but yeah harvey Elliott, it's, it's a shocking injury apparently um jürgen klopp has said it's a dislocated um ankle so remains to be seen how much how long that is um because obviously they'll have to heal first and then obviously their recovery uh, period will will begin. So I reckon that's probably on balance, probably a three to four month injury if you look at it. So I, I don't think we'll see him back until at least February, but it's a rotten, rotten injury for Harvey Elliott. Well, I, it, it would depend as well on, on ligament damage because you could be out 12 to 18 months with ligament damage and even then there's no guarantee that you'll... You'll be the same player, really. But he's young. He's got age on his side. And as you say, he should be back. He should be back eventually, sooner or later. Um, and, uh, yeah, we can just wish him all the very best. Um, Alan, how pissed off are you? Oh, yeah, obviously pissed off. Um, 
Very, very much so. But um, I, I didn't see the first half um, live. I just heard it on the radio. But from what I heard, Harvey was having a sensational game. So um, it's very sad. Um, I'm kind of going to disagree with you slightly. I'm sitting on the fence about the red card, to be honest. I'm probably more old, old school than you guys. But I didn't think he went in intentionally to do it. I know because the leg was broke, it makes it look worse. But um, the first five minutes, of course, I was giving out hell. But as I sit back and look ahead and look at the replays, he was just very damn unlucky that his knee caught Harvey's ankle, really. There was even this very similar tackle on Mane in the second half, which was virtually identical, that didn't even get free. Um, so I know what you're saying. If the injury comes into it and the leg was broken and the referee kind of gives a, yellow, a red card, but... I'm on defence, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, but Alan, there's there's a couple of things there. I mean, okay, I agree that perhaps it shouldn't be a red card if you take intention into it. And I think this is what you're doing, right? You're just saying, well, because he didn't intend it, it was just unlucky. But, you know, in the laws of the game, Alan, it's a red card every time. Because, you know, as I say, it's uh, it's either reckless or violent or serious foul play or dangerous play. Clearly, because of the results of the challenge, like it's clearly dangerous if it ends up in a broken leg. And, you know, the, even the other tackles themselves, I mean, you know, you could argue they were less dangerous because they didn't end up in a, in a broken uh, leg. You know, I mean, we could get into conditionals. We could say, you know, well, if they had connected with, uh, you know, our players, the other dangerous tackles, then, you know, then, you know, maybe they would have broken, you know, these are just conditional sentences. These are just if this and if that. But, you know, there is the laws of the game are very clear and it's a red card every time, Alan. Well, maybe you know the laws better than I do, obviously, for saying. But um, it's, it's hard to take every tackle out of the game. You know, if you swing your arm back and hit a player, it hurts his eyes. That, does that mean he gets a red card? You know, it's... I know you said ifs and buts, but if his right foot had landed six inches back, he wouldn't have touched Harvey and it would have been a great tackle, in, in my view. But the fact that he's, he's, he's trailing knee, landed on Harvey's ankle is what did the damage. So, yeah. I so, sorry, sorry. Can I, can I just, um, can I just obviously like uh, come in there? I think it's because of the scissor. I think that because of the, the challenge, I think it's the scissors movement. I think that's why he's actually been sent off. I don't think it's because of the the actual um, contact with his um, ankle. I think it's the scissors contact. I think that's been outlawed in uh, Europe as a as, as a challenge now. I, th- I think I think it's the scissors movement that's actually connected with his with his ankle, and I think that's why he's been sent off. Yeah, good point actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, yeah, that's probably the main reason for it. Probably, yeah. Well, it's also it's also one of these. It's reckless. It's violent. It's serious foul play, or it's dangerous play. I, you know, as I said before, Alan, I think it's you know, if you go into the ifs of the situation, uh, you know, if his if his leg had been six, you know, six inches one way or the other, then there are, there are you know infinite ifs and buts. And the example you question is a good question. You know, if someone flails their arm and and act when they're running and they accidentally, for example, uh, break someone's nose, then that too is, you know, dangerous uh, because if you actually break their nose, then that is dangerous play, stroke, violent conduct. 
and also a red card. Of course, if you miss, then it's not as dangerous because it's not so dangerous because you missed. Um, so, yes, I think if there is an injury like this, I don't know. It put me in such a bad mood because as, as Doug, you were talking about the actual performance. The actual performance was was superb. And then Alan, you were listening to it on the radio. Harvey Elliott, he was brilliant for his his 62 minutes on the field. Um, he had he had three shots, um, one of them on target, two of them just wide. He had one key pass. His passing accuracy was 77.4%, which was good. Um, you know, he, he, he had one dribble um, defensively. Uh, he didn't contribute in terms of tackles, interceptions, interceptions or clearances, according to um, whoscored.com. But he was certainly making a lot of ground and cutting off a lot of passing lanes. And he was running around a lot, especially in the second half. Uh, he was really trying to close down lots and lots of space. And he did a great job at doing that. And uh, yeah, 31 passes for 77.4% passing accuracy three long balls attempted two of them were accurate and it was a really good performance um he didn't look out of place uh and there was just sparkling stuff all around i mean i actually took a screenshot of the stats after just 34 minutes we were already one nil up uh we had had at that point nine shots three of them on target um and Leeds had only managed one shot, and that was in the fifth minute. And Doug, those opening 30 minutes, in fact, let's talk about the opening first half, uh, in which we got 12 shots, three on target, um, 83% passing accuracy to Leeds is 73%. We were absolutely dominant in a way that any team in this league would be really proud of, weren't we, Doug? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I can't remember... Uh a total dominant performance like that like in the first half against a, against a lead side um, I think the midfield three was fantastic obviously you know I think we all kind of we all kind of said at the you know the start of the game like yes you know Klopp has paid you know put um, real high uh, influence and obviously Elliot and I think I think he's I think he's, he's deserved it because he's he's been fantastic for you know the three matches I thought Thiago today was absolutely unbelievable. He can just eye the needle passes. I think he can pass the ball like that um, in this Liverpool side. I've never seen someone who can actually pass the ball like that. I, he was absolutely fantastic. Some of the passes that he he, he could do, he he just did. Um, I think he was unlucky with the with the goal. I think he he, he deserved the goal. I know obviously Fabinho got the you know got the goal as well, but. Although the midfield three were fantastic. Can we just talk about Joel Matip for that first goal, though? Oh, my goodness me. Um, it's just, the, there's that wee mazy, mazy run. And obviously, he plays in, you know, Trent. He plays in Salah. And obviously, Salah, 100 Premier League goals in 162 games. I mean, I said, I think I said to you a couple of weeks back that I think it, I think it was coming. Uh, you just had the feeling it, it, was, it was coming. But uh, for fastest... Um, I think only Thierry Henry, Sergio Aguero, um, Alan Shearer, um, and I can't think of the last one uh, as well. But th- they they've all been you know quicker than than Mo Salah, But his numbers are absolutely astronomical um, as well. But yeah, I thought we were very very dominant. And 
you know, we could have been five, we could have been six nil up at half time. It was it was that dominant and you always had the feeling like at one nil that if you don't take your chances, they I mean Alien should score. Uh, I don't know why he goes with his knee for the you know, their chance, but apart from that I can't really, and obviously apart from obviously the, the chance in the fourth minute, I think Rodrigo had a chance to uh, score, but he hits it straight down Allison's throat. I, apart from that, I can't remember Allison making a save today. It was that dominant. Uh, well, Allison was absolutely fantastic. There was that one in the second half, you know, when when uh, Bamford tried to chip him after Thiago lost the ball. It, he was brilliant, you know, with with his possession and his calmness and catching crosses whenever, in the rare moments when Leeds were able to get out and they were able to attack. But you know, Alan, there's there's something about this team, especially with all the the hoo ha, all of the hullabaloo going on in the transfer market with all of this, you know, the fanfares for Lukaku, Ronaldo, uh, Grealish, Sancho, Varane, especially at Manchester United. A hell of a lot of noise. But if you look at the substance, if you look at the actual, you know, I put out a tweet earlier, you know, don't believe the hype. Believe the data, Alan. And there are so many metrics in which Liverpool are the best team in the league. And one of them is the form table, just very simply. In the last 14 Premier League matches, we've won 11 and drawn three, I believe. Um, So I'm feeling just as optimistic as I was at the start of the season. I, I just think, of course, we need to avoid yet more serious injuries to our players but how are you feeling so far after the open opening four games everyone's just writing us off for no particular reason aren't they absolutely i agree with you totally there um our form so far this season has been fantastic if we don't forget that a strong defensive chelsea with 10 men behind the ball the only team that stopped us so far i think after that performance there was a few people kind of doubting us but today it was just fantastic from start to finish. We just dominated that game. And Doug made a great point there about Matip. Like, this is the Matip we thought we had a few years ago. The, the year we won the Champions League, he was playing great. But he was like an attacking midfielder today. Does that confidence mm-hmm. oozing through the team again? And I, I even said at one point there today in the chat there, I said, take Sade off, give him a rest and put Matip up, right, up front because he was just playing so brilliant. And that's going through the whole team. You just have that feeling on that you had in 2019 that just going to go on that big run. The confidence is losing, the players are losing. Hopefully, Harvey getting injured doesn't affect that team morale, but I'm getting that feeling again. I'm trying to be cautious, but I'm getting that feeling again that we're going to have a sensational year. It's a great answer. It's a great answer. Um, Doug, how carried away can we afford to get? Because I think last season, you see, Last season, it was pretty clear, I said around about November time, that the the team that can put together, you know, a long one uh, run of wins, like, you know, 10, 11, 12 wins in a row is the team that will, uh, you know, that that would win the league last year. And that, that ended up being Manchester City and they, they won it at a canter. But whereas this season, it feels to me, Doug, that, Liverpool, Chelsea, City 
and even United, as though I, although I don't like to say it, can put a run together of, of you know, maybe 10 wins. Um, but I just wonder, Doug, how how optimistic you you are. Oh, I'm I'm in, I'm in great mood. Um, in all honesty, I think um, I think there's no other better eleven than ours. Um, in all honesty, I mean, if if everyone's obviously fit, you know, you've got one of the best goalkeepers in the in the prem. You've got one of the best right backs in world football. You've got one of the best left backs in world football. You've got the best probable centre back in world football. I mean, Matip has been absolutely fantastic, and you know, you know, as as, as a as a credit to you know Kanati that you know. He hasn't got his chance yet, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he will get his chance. And then you've probably got one of the best DMs in world football as well. Thiago, uh, a fantastic passer as well. Harvey Elliott started the season really well. Mo Salah, is, you know, he's going to score goals um, left, right and centre. You know, Jota as well. I feel once everyone's fit, I, I think we've got one of the best 11s in, in in the Premier League, I think, in, you know, in world football. And actually, if you look at our bench today, yes, I know there was no out-and-out striker, um, but apart from that, you know, there's strength and depth there. You know, you've got Gomez, Kanate, uh, Simicas, um, you know, obviously Henderson, Keita, Milner, and even obviously Ox and, you know, Curtis Jones. But you, you, have, to, you have to actually see this now that this we, we, I trust the squad I trust the squad um, and I actually think we can get a, a wee run together I, I really really do I, I think we are that good if we can continue playing like we did today I think we'll, we'll be we'll be absolutely fine and I do actually think that we can actually get a, a wee a wee run together I, I think the optimism is very very high um, and long may it continue because that today was just brilliant to watch and yeah um i'm getting i'm getting quite excited and i'm looking forward to the milan game on wednesday yeah we will talk about the milan game absolutely there is a lot to be excited about once the you know once we've uh you know calmed down a little bit the anger has has eased a little bit for for the harvey elliott situation i mean uh, you know there are great stats everywhere. Um, you know, you mentioned Joel Matip, uh, <laughs> for example, at 68 passes, 94.1% passing accuracy, including five attempted long balls with three of them being accurate. Uh, Virgil van Dijk had a 93.1% passing accuracy from 58 passes. Uh, he, he His long ball game wasn't as sharp, perhaps, as it has been because he tried seven long balls and only three of them were accurate, especially after Leeds went down to 10 men. He overhit a couple over the top for, for Andy Robertson, but it was still great vision and it's brilliant to see Virgil back. And with Alisson behind them, I mean, that that save looked so simple, but he needed he needed great positioning for, uh, you know, for the for the uh, for save in the first half from, from Rodrigo after five minutes. But yeah, I mean, Andrew Beasley on Twitter, the great Andrew Beasley, um, posted posted that according to Statzone, Liverpool had twenty eight shots today, uh, which is two fewer than Google says. Uh, but even with twenty eight shots, that's the most they've ever had in an away game in the league and and in Europe under Jurgen Klopp. 
Um, I did some research myself in terms of expected assists in all of the league. And I found it very interesting how, you know, you compare Bruno Fernandes. Um, who else did I compare? Riyad Mahrez. Uh, they were on 0.7 expected assists per 90 minutes um, for Bruno Fernandes and 0.8 expected assists for Riyad Mahrez. Trent's expected assists per 90 before this match was 1.8 per match. So he should be on five or six assists already this season. And I'm a little bit scared, Alan. I'm getting scared of how good Trent is. Yeah, he's just fantastic. And, um, is, is, like you said, is there a better right back in world football? No, it is not. Is there a better reader of the game in that position? Definitely not. His, his stats say it, say it all. His his movement, his... I don't know, I'm a long time looking at football and I've never got excited to see a right back at the ball as, as much as I do when I see Trent get. He's the perfect file up there as well for Salah. The two of them link well together, cover each other well. And just one point I wanted to say there uh, while you were talking uh, on Matip, um, I didn't realise his stats were that high today. Did you say 93% pass rate? Uh, even higher, 94 Point one. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, did anyone else notice, or is it just me, that um, maybe because of Virgil's injury, that Virgil seems to be the one that's sitting back and that's given Joel the license to go forward more? He's done so many of them in every game now where he, certain parts of the game, he's up around the box. Uh, did, did anyone else notice that? I, yeah, I noticed it, I, although I did notice Virgil going forward uh, once and sort of staying forward as well. But I think Matip did it three or four times in the match. And uh, I love him when he goes forward, you know, when he gets in touch with his, his inner Steve McManaman, uh, the player, not the pundit, and, uh, you know, goes on those mazy dribbles forward. I mean, he, he looks absolutely brilliant. And, you know, as Doug mentioned earlier, his contribution to the first goal was, was supreme. Um, other players, I thought Mo Salah... As we go forward, Mo Salah, he had four key passes. He's another one who's who uh, who's expected assists per 90 minutes was 1.5, more than double Bruno Fernandes in the first three games. And, you know, so he should be on several more assists. It's just people keep fluffing all of the great passes. You know, when he tries to... He tries to set people up. They they fluff their shots, but he should be on way more assists. He's already got three goals and uh, two two assists uh, in four matches. It's it's crazy. I think he's flawless, uh, Doug. Um, Mohamed Salah was, you know, I I I I, I like to praise Mohamed Salah as much as possible because he is. You know, one of the best strikers, attackers that I've ever seen for any club. But it's just beautiful to watch him. There's no sign of him slowing down. And au contraire, he seems to be getting even better. 100%. Um, you, you, saw, you saw him today, you know. Like so many, so many opportunities that he he had, and you know he was. I think um, I think Junior Firpo's had a, a taste of what the actual like Premier League is like, and like what Mo Salah is like. I mean, he's he's as strong as any, anything. Um, I always I always get the anticipation whenever Salah gets the ball that he's always going to score or you know, make chances as well. He's just he's just that good. Um, 
And actually, if you look at the first goal, like obviously, you know, if Matip had like Matip passed to Trent, he got a little bit frustrated, but he he was he his move his movement for that goal was uh, was fantastic. Managed to stay stay on side um, uh, as well, and I just felt his all round play was absolutely fantastic today. And you know, obviously Trent. Um, I mean, I agree with Valence. I mean, I don't think there's a better. Uh, right back in world football right now. Um, you know, you can you can you can say your Reese Jameses, you can say your Kyle Walkers, you can say your Aaron Lambasakas, but for me, it's definitely Trent Alexander Arnold, and um, I think both him and Salah down that right connected really really well. And plus, I think Thiago actually looked pretty comfortable on the right hand side of that midfield as well. Um, I I just think it was a very very professional performance by the Reds and. Yeah, just just whenever Mo Salah gets the ball, I always have a feeling he's going to score. And I don't know, I don't know what what you and Alan think, but for me, I just I just feel that any time he gets the ball, he's going to make something or he's actually going to score. Yeah, uh, just as Doug was speaking there, it just reminded me that um, I don't know if you've seen um, Klopp's interview after the game. He said that uh, that he was asked about Salah and how impressed he is with him, but he also said after the game he said Mo was very disappointed and angry that he didn't score more with the chances he had which is a sign of the player to me like it's no matter how well he plays he wants to do more and also agree with uh, Doug there as well Tiago today was that was the Tiago we bought he was fantastic to echo what Doug said earlier on the pass and the vision uh, fantastic but to me when Klopp is saying that about a player that he's scored a goal and played great and he's not happy that's the player I love yeah, you're absolutely right. So Mo Salah, I mean, four key passes. Um, he had, I've got his XG in front of me. Of course, he scored uh, from close range. He also had a shot from around the penalty shot. There was a good chance, but it was, uh, I can't remember that one, but it was, it was, he didn't go in anyway. And he had one from the edge of the box, but he only really had three chances. Um, whereas his strike partner, who I was utterly obsessed with today was Sadio Mane. I was obsessed with him from minute one. Um, but I just really got my eye my eye on him. He's so visible. I mean, he missed an open goal, don't forget. He had ten shots. Ten alone. It's absolutely crazy to have ten shots as a striker. Uh, I mean, Mohamed Salah, as I said, had three. Diego Jota had three. Sadio had ten. Um, Diogo Jota had six key passes so they kept on setting up Mane and Mane kept making chances for himself and they kept on getting deflected and you know just wide or he you know he spooned the shot or he messed it up or he took a heavy touch but the key for me the most pleasing thing with Sadio Mane was he just kept going and going and going and it was a brilliant piece of management to keep him on the field and take Diogo Jota off I thought by Jurgen Klopp because you know there was always that chance that he was going to get his goal in the end and lo and behold Thiago with a beautifully uh, you know, intelligent as we as we as we know and love from from Thiago, a beautiful touch into into Manny. I could watch that assist. He made it look so easy for for Sadio Manny and Sadio almost you know 
um, you know, with a with a sort of shrug of the shoulders, like at last he absolutely drilled it into the bottom corner. So a few of my notes on Sadio Mane, for example, he had two chances to play in his teammates. One of them he overhit, and one was poorly controlled. This is in the first seven minutes of the match. In the eleventh minute, he had a deflected shot for a corner. In the sixteenth minute, he should have slipped Mo in, but he just missed it up a bit. On the nineteenth minute, Mane's shot deflected for a corner. 22nd minute, Mane sliced out for a goal kick. 26th minute, he missed that open goal from four yards. 31st minute, Mane was wide on his left foot from the edge of the area. Uh, 46th minute, he took a heavy touch or else he would have got another shot off. And that's just in the first half. I could go on forever about Sadio Mane. Uh, One thing I will say, uh, Doug, uh, before I bring you in uh, for your thoughts on Sadio Mane, was that I was speaking once to a truly world-class uh, player, a household name about Liverpool Football Club and he, t- we had a nice chat, a long chat about Sadio Mane and for him he said that Sadio Mane has absolutely everything to be the best attacker in the world and he doesn't quite understand why he's, he's, he's not a Ballon d'Or contender every year and why he doesn't quite seem to put it all together, you know, consistently enough. Um, but but Sadio Mane is, is, I mean, he's an enigma and he's brilliant and he's beautiful. And yes, as I said in previous messages, messages, excuse me, previous episodes, he, he may have lost that little burst, but there's so much to his game that's just absolutely wonderful. And if he ever does put it all together, I mean, he could get eight goals in a match pretty easily, couldn't he, Doug? Oh, 100%. I mean, he was getting in the, he was get, he was making opportunities. He was getting in the right positions as well. Um, I, I mean, yeah, t- 10 shots uh, to, to Sadio is is incredible. But at least at least he managed to, managed to get one as well. But, uh, I mean... I mean, obviously, I'm going to go on a wee tw- rant here, but don't don't agree with what Twitter's saying. Sadio Mane is finished. Sadio Mane should be sold. I absolutely love Sadio Mane, and I, I honestly do think that hopefully that goal gives him a little bit of uh, a little bit of confidence um, uh, for sure. Um, but as I keep as I keep saying, yes, I know he missed. I know he missed the open goal, but you know Jota should do better with the you know the pass. I think the pass is way behind. Mane before he obviously can connect um, so you know I think as I said he is getting in the right positions and you know he, at least he did get his goal today which was probably one of the hardest chances that he obviously had um, as well but um, but no a very very good good day's work for Sadio Mane and um, I, I'm just hopeful that uh, that goal for him can give him a little bit more confidence going into obviously Wednesday and then hopefully we'll see see him get on a bit of a goal scoring streak hopefully yeah totally totally i'm almost i'm almost ready to talk about milan but like there's just one more player i'd like to i'd like to talk about actually two 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 more uh the first um before i get to the guy who was my man of the match yeah probably uh um is diogo jota before i get to my man of the match diogo jota was Really good. And there's something that I noticed. Uh, I, I'm always looking at passing accuracy, right? And to give you some context, most of the time, if you're a creative player, if you're an attacking player, your passing accuracy, if you're a really good 
attacking player is around about between 75 and 85 percent uh, passing accuracy because it's hard because you've got loads of defenders around you and uh, it's generally very difficult it's a difficult position so today Diogo Jota's passing accuracy I'm delighted to say was 87.5 percent he was playing simple passes well uh, there was that great dummy he did that allowed Jordan Henderson to have a left-footed shot from outside the area and it's a big improvement for Diogo Jota because I, I've looked. I always look at this stat, and he was down at sort of sixty-seven percent in previous performances, even this season. Um, so it's an absolute joy that he seems to be improving as well. And I think as a three, Diogo Jota really does have a place in this team. Alan, um, talk to me about Diogo. Yeah, definitely. You can see improvement in him in, in every game. You, you can see, like you mentioned, the, the pass rate there. That's that's all work that's been done behind the scenes with, with Klopp and the coaches. I think I said in the pod a few weeks ago that Chot is one of those players where he gets the ball sometimes and sometimes you think, what's he going to do? He's, he's going the wrong way and then he just does something amazing. Like I can't speak much about him today, to be honest, because as I said, uh, the radio didn't give me the full view of it today. But what I did see of him, his, his passing and his movement was fantastic. He has that energy that, that our system demands up front, and he's just getting better and better with every game, I think. Just to go back on Sadia there, I know you said everything positive about him, but um, he just reminded me today of, of um, Steve McManaman played against Celtic in the European Cup, and he took about 10 shots, and he scored one at the end. And i never forget he said, I was shooting on the law of averages today. One had to go in eventually. And I think that's what Sadia did today. He just he just <laughs> kept shooting that one. <laughs> and why not? I mean, it's a great it's a great thing to do. Yeah, invoke the law of averages, pepper the pepper the goal with shots, you know, and then uh, you know some of that pepper will fall on the steak, on the filet mignon eventually. Um, the last person to talk about from this match specifically is a guy who only relatively had 75% passing accuracy, but he had an accurate cross. Um, defensively, he had five interceptions, two clearances, uh, one tackle and one blocked shot. There was... Uh, there were there were two minutes in the first half. Two this in a two minute period, he made two fabulous inter- interceptions with his with his legs and another one with his head. If you go back and watch this match, is in the thirty fifth and thirty sixth minute, and they were all you know saving really good chances. And you know it's such a hard position to play is the number six it's why I love watching the number sixes so much uh, and Fabinho is in the right place at the right time and after a, a, a disappointing although it's understandable with the personal tragedy he's been through slightly disappointing, slightly rusty performance against Chelsea uh, Doug, this was Fabinho back to his fabulous wonderful glorious best uh, what did you think of Fabinho's performance? Well, the, the Hoover that sweeps up, isn't it? Um, I thought he's just, just terrific today. Um, you know, he got an early yellow card, and I, I thought that that might have, you know, phased him. But actually, you just he's just so, so good. I mean, 
I, I mean, obviously, you'll probably get people saying, oh, like, Casemiro or somebody like that is, like, the, you know, the best DM in world football. For me, Fabinho is definitely, for me, the best DM in world football. Um, he's just getting better and better and better and better. Like, yes, I know he had a bit of a sluggish game against Chelsea, and I, th- I think... I think I think everyone does have a sluggish game now and then, but today I thought he was back to his flying best, and he's so so important. I mean, obviously, if the Brazil ban had gone through, I think he would have been the one that we would have missed badly. Um, so the fact that he played, uh, he he just gives that stability in midfield, doesn't he? He's he's so so good, and I honestly can't wait to see him. I think that's. Obviously, I know D- I know DMs don't really get many goals as well, but you know Fabinho. I think that's his first goal since June 2020. It was obviously the I think the goal against um, uh, Crystal Palace, uh, the the absolute rocket to make that four nil. Um, so, look, I think I think Fabinho has been a fantastic signing for us, and for me, he's just getting better and better and better. And like I love calling them the Hoover because obviously he sweeps up in midfield, but he was just terrific today and thoroughly deserved the um, Liverpool uh, Twitter uh, man of the match. Uh, for me, he was my man of the match as well. Oh, absolutely. And uh, who scored man of the match? They gave him 8.3. Uh, he had three shots, uh, one on target. And of course, that was uh, that was the all-important second goal. Uh, it was a, a smart enough finish. Um, I thought... Mane might have been offside, even though it wasn't given. It's a very difficult one for the refs because he was definitely behind the goalkeeper. So I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. They said no. I thought. I thought we got a little bit fortunate with that decision. But um, yeah, Fabinho, Alan. Now that Harvey Elliott is out for a while. How key is it that Fabinho stays fit? Um, this season as much as possible. I mean, over the past three seasons, I mean, the 2020-21 season, last season, he played 30 matches in total. He got no goals, no assists. Uh, In 19-20, he played 28 games with two goals and three assists. Um, But Alan, I think he's absolutely crucial to pretty much everything uh, for Liverpool. What, What do you think? No, absolutely. That's, I couldn't agree more with everything that Doug said there. He's the best. He's the best defensive midfielder in world football, um, especially in the world's toughest league, hardest league. Um, you run out of things to say about him. He 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 gets better every game. He he brings that calmness to the defense. Like we we all know the problems we had last year with Van Dijk and injured and stuff. To me, the biggest loss was Robinho from midfield. You know, even in those games where we we had a weak centre backs, Robinho is just like the Doug said to Hoover. We hadn't got him in midfield last year. It's it's shown already this year when he's there. We just we play great. Trent can go forward. Robbo can go forward. To just have that trust in him. Uh, how he doesn't play regular for Brazil, I don't know. Because to me, he's the best central midfielder in the world, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Tite, he's got he's got weird taste. He plays Richarlison, the rooster, a.k.a. the cock, ahead of Bobby Firmino, which is absolutely crazy. Um, 
AC Milan, AC Milan. Oh, we're playing AC Milan on Wednesday. I'm absolutely delighted about that. Uh, they've just beaten Lazio 2-0, making it uh, three matches. They've only played three matches. They, they beat Sampdoria 1-0 away. They beat Cagliari 4-1 at home. And they've, they've just beaten Lazio 2-0 at home with uh, goals from Zlatan in the 67th minute, assisted by Rebic. And also uh, the first goal was also assisted by Rebic and it was Rafael Leal, 22 years old, uh, the winger. Um, so they won 2-0, a good result at the San Siro, the Stadio Giuseppe Miazza, if you prefer. Um, Doug, AC Milan, what are your, what, I don't know, what, is it, what does it conjure up? Uh, as as a name, it's very romantic. It's poetic. I can't wait. Oh, that's that's like obviously our our last two games against them have been um, in you know Champions League finals, and you know they've never played us at Anfield, which is staggering when you think about it. But this is a very good AC Milan side. There's no denying that. Um, I do feel though that we'll be we'll have too much for them on um, on Wednesday, um, but they they have a dangerous side. Obviously, they've got um, you know Fakayo Tamori, uh, Frank Kessie's one to look out for in the midfield as well. Uh, obviously, we've been linked with him um, as well. I think he's on a, a free transfer next season. I think after that, um, and obviously they've got they've got Olivier Giroud as well. Um, it's going to be a tricky game. But I am confident in getting the, the, the three points to start the Champions League campaign off with a bang. Um, but yeah, this AC Milan side <clears throat> are head and above shoulders. The uh, the the Milan side that, that we've had, they've, we've obviously watched in you know the last sort of six seven years. I, I, they're get they're definitely getting better. Um, it's been a bit of a bit of a torrid time for them as well because obviously they were banned from. Uh, Europe for one season, I think, as well. So, it's it's just it's just great to see them back in the Champions League. I mean, there, there's a number of teams that, that I'm really glad to see back in the Champions League. Wolfsburg's another one. I think they they're a fantastic side as well. But AC Milan, it's just it's just the heritage. It's you know, there's 15 Champions League. Tr- or I think it's I think it's 13 or 15 Champions League trophies between the the four clubs in this group. Um, and only Inter Milan, Atletico Madrid are the only team that don't think they've won uh, the competition because obviously we've we've won we've won six. I think AC Milan have won seven, and I think FC Porto have won two. So it's uh, it's Champions League royalty if you want to put it uh, put it that way. But I, I am very very excited for Wednesday, and uh, yeah, bring bring them on uh, is all I'll say. But yeah, they've had a fantastic start to the season and. Uh, It'll be a tricky game, but I feel that we'll just have enough to beat them. I would hope so. I would hope so. Um, in in such a difficult group, but it being the first match, um, Alan, is it is it one where it's not that important if we lose? Like, as in, you know, beforehand, you can think about, you know, maybe resting Robertson for Crystal Palace next weekend to prioritise the league? Or would you just, you know, go hell for, for leather from the first whistle and play our best team and worry about injuries if they happen? Yeah, I think I think you just go for it. We have a habit of um, struggling in our groups in the cha- in Champions League. 
So I think if we can go out and get a win away from home early and set the tone in the group. Um, Reston Robertson, I would have no fear of now because Simba Cass has done so well. But um, no, I think we should just go out and beat them. It's plain and simple. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Just go out and win. Yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. Um, so yeah, for you know, for a lineup for that match, then I mean, obviously, Allison uh, at the back. Uh, Doug, would you change anything? Would you bring in Costas for for Robertson? Would you? I don't know. Think about. I don't know. You can't really rest Trent, can you? Um, I don't know. You wouldn't want to break up. Virgil and Joel Matip, would you? I don't know. In defence, if 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 you would change anything in defence, then let me know and let me know why. And if you wouldn't change anything in defence, as I wouldn't, then what would you do? What are you doing in midfield, Doug? Oh, um, well, to answer your question, I wouldn't change anything in defence. Um, so it was obviously Ali Trent, um, Matip, Van Dijk, Robertson. Um, I think it'll be Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson, and then I think it'll be Manny Jota, Salah. I think that's my team for uh, for Wednesday. You wouldn't worry about giving Thiago too many minutes, like uh, you know, Thiago. You know, presumably you you try and play him against Crystal Palace as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Thiago's going to need minutes anyway. Um, because obviously, I think he, <clears throat> I think he played. What was it about? Um, I think it was ninety plus minutes today, which is which is very very good from him. Um, he just he just needs to run the games. He just needs to run the games, I think. And um, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't drop him for for Wednesday, um, and I probably wouldn't drop him for you know the game against uh, Crystal Palace. I think I think he just needs a he just definitely needs to run the games and. I think you'll probably see, um, you know, against like the likes of Norwich in the in the cup. I think you'll probably see um, Kanati play. I think you might see Gomez play. Um, you might see um, potentially youngster Beck as well, maybe left back. Um, so yeah, for me, I think I think Thiago just needs a, a, a run of games um, for me. But uh, but yeah, that that's that's what I would go for um, uh, for Wednesday for sure. Yeah, fair enough. I would I would personally be a bit more cautious with Thiago. I would if he plays on Wednesday. I'd, I'd say you know he's only getting maybe the second half or maybe the opening sixty minutes because I also think Naby Keita needs minutes. And James Milner did nothing wrong in pre-season, um, and he could do with some minutes. Uh, where, what would you do in midfield, Alan? Uh, I would, I'd be with uh, Doug on that one. I like that midfield. I think, um, I think we should stick with it. Um, I, I'm kind of a believer in don't change a winning team. I like to keep going with a winning team, unless of course there's injury or something. But I do agree with you that maybe in the last maybe sixty minutes for Thiago, and then then Gaeta comes in and gets gets a run because he was playing fantastic as well before before he was dropped. Um but yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with Doug. I, I don't like changing a winning team. I think you you go out and you you play your best team. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't complain. I would not complain. I believe in all of these boys. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um Alan, I'm gonna stay with you. I mean our next matches so we've got Milan, we've got Crystal Palace. We've got Norwich in the third round of the EFL Cup on Tuesday. So that's uh, Wednesday, we've got Milan. Next Saturday, 
Crystal Palace. Uh, the Tuesday after that, Norwich. The Saturday after that, Saturday evening, we've got Brentford. Then uh, on September the 28th, three days after that, we've got Porto away and then Manchester City. And then you've got this cursed international break again. So those are one, two, three, four, five, six matches uh, coming up, Alan. They're, they're, they're very exciting. Um, but looking around... I don't know. Looking around, I mean, we've got to be relentless in the league. We, I would say we have to beat Crystal Palace, who are resurgent. They've signed Odson Edward, who, who had a much better debut than Cristiano Ronaldo because he got his two goals in 10 minutes. Um, he only played for 10 minutes and scored twice. Uh, so, yeah, Crystal Palace, Brentford and then Man City before the next international break, Alan, if we manage to win all those, or at least not lose, I think it's going to be essential that we don't lose. Am I, am I being too, is there too much pressure I'm putting on the team, Alan, or, or would you agree? No, I'd agree. Uh, definitely. I think, uh, like I said, don't, don't change your winning team. Don't change your habits. Okay. The, the cup game against Norwich, that's, that's your chance to give players a run out. Um, I'm sure Kanate would love to have a go there and a few other players, but um, Crystal Palace definitely just have to go out and, and just be bullish. Just go and beat them. Um, I think is, was it Eduardo? Eduardo that scored the goals for them the other day? Odson Edouard. Edouard. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I think, uh, Doug tipped him a while ago to be a good player. He, he seems to start it off well anyway, but we need to be bullish on. We need to go to the likes of Crystal Palace and just beat them. I know it sounds a bit bullish, but to me, that's the way you have to do it. We have, we have to play like the, we did the year we won Premier League. Next game, Grout, win it. Next game, Grout, win it. And, and that's the way I see us going for the rest of the season. I think that's a brilliant answer, and I think I, I totally agree with you. Again, look at it. Look at the goals we've conceded, right, in the Premier League. We conceded one goal in the last six matches. This is low key, as they say, low key, the best team in the league uh, with the best defence in the league. Anyway, um, Doug, have you got that sort of you know absolute you know relentless feeling back, like Alan was talking about before, or? Um, you know the guy you tipped Odson Edouard, uh, you know is gonna is gonna I don't know bring back uh, the nightmares of Ben Teke at Anfield next Saturday. <laughs> um, I don't think it'll go that far, in all honesty. But uh, no, look, I I go into every game just expecting to you know get a result, um, and I think I think you have to be I think you have to be bullish. That, you know the way we're playing at the moment is has been very very good. Um, on, on, honestly, I think the you know the Chelsea game I think was just a just a one-off where we kind of uh, <clears throat> just struggled to create anything um, at all. But um, but no, I, I'm I'm going into the mind game confident. I'm I'm thinking we can win that one, and then obviously go to Palace. I think we can win that. Norwich, I think we'll probably you know win in the cup as well. It's all about getting that winning formula back, and I do think if we can get it. Then I think I think we're in very very good stead because, you know, it is it is a tough it is a tough October because um, obviously I think we've got we've got Man City I think we've got Watford and then obviously we've got Manchester United in the in the league and then I think it's a 
think it's a double header against Atletico Madrid. I could be completely uh, wrong on that that front as well. So go into every game just feeling feeling confident, and I honestly do think that we'll beat we'll beat uh, Milan. I think we'll beat Palace. I think we'll beat Norwich. Brentford will be a tricky game. You know, there there's no easy games in the Premier League, and I think you know Brentford have started really really well. Unlucky to lose yesterday against Brighton. Um, and then obviously you go to Porto away. You know, if you win that, you go into the City game looking looking very very confident. So all about getting that winning formula back and being very very resilient um, as well to get get to. Get get the wins um, as well. Just basically be any anyone at any cost. That's all I'll say. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Well, thank you very much, guys. We we're gonna we're gonna take that bullishness. We're gonna take that confidence, and we're gonna move forward. And we're gonna, you know, take all of the anger of the Harvey Elliott situation and and use it positively, as Jurgen has taught us, and he has taught us well. And we're gonna, you know, bring all, bring bring it all through to the next matches for the rest of the season until Harvey's back, and we're gonna win it all for him. I'm so excited. We've scored nine. We've conceded one in in four matches. We've won three of them. We've drawn one of them. We've got ten points. We're equal at the top of the table with Man United and Chelsea and City. Uh, the league. It's a possibility, even at this stage. But we'll see. We'll take it as it comes. But bring them all on, is what I'm saying. Bring them all on. Uh, Thank you so much, Alan. Thank you so much, Doug. It's been a real pleasure talking to you both. Thank you, guys. Pleasure as always. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks.